Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on John, Believe. So let's dive into our series in the Gospel of John. We've titled the series, Believe. John 20, verse 31 says this, I've written these things so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, and by believing, you'll have life in his name. The word believe appears over 90 times in the Gospel of John. And the word believe comes from the Greek word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S, and it means to be persuaded to action. It means walk it out. It doesn't imply just talking. It implies a lifestyle of radical change because of what Christ has done in our lives. The Gospel of John, the Gospel of John is about believing that Jesus is God believing that Jesus is Messiah, he's the Savior, and he is the one uh, that all of our allegiance and trust and dependence should be placed on. Now, let me say this as we get ready to dive into John chapter 12. John chapters 12 through 21 cover the last week of Jesus' earthly life. And believe me, as you dive in here and start to really ponder and study through these last uh, nine chapters, if you will, there is a lot of action in these final uh, chapters. So John chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, the one Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for Jesus. Martha was serving them, and Lazarus, was reclining at the table with them. It's dinner time. Lazarus was chilling at the table. This cracks me up when I read it. A few days ago, he had been dead until Jesus did the miraculous. And I'm I'm, I'm pondering this going, how powerful. Jesus has raised a dead man. Now a dinner is given in honor of Jesus to thank him for raising Lazarus. And Lazarus is sitting there just chilling at the table. Got me thinking, what do you say to a man who was raised from the dead? Do you ask him, uh, what did it feel like to be dead? Do you ask him uh, what he smelled like after three plus days? Do you ask him, uh, did you see a light? I mean, what do you say to a guy that had been dead for four days and now Jesus has raised him? Now, here's the backdrop. It's Saturday night in Bethany. And if you look at the map, Bethany is about two miles outside of the center of Jerusalem. If you go down through the Kidron Valley, over the Mount of Olives, Bethany is this little community. Now, we've just celebrated the Sabbath. In just a few hours, Jesus will enter Jerusalem riding on a donkey. The people are going to be shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And again, that phrase Hosanna means deliver us, deliver us. And as Jesus makes his way back into Jerusalem, he will cleanse the temple. He will curse a fig tree. He again will confront the hate of the religious leaders. But tonight is the last peaceful evening that Jesus will know, if you will, in the earthly body of his. Tomorrow, he begins his final journey to the cross. And he got me thinking, if you had one week left, what would you do? Where would you go? Who would you hang out with? Tonight, they celebrate. Tomorrow, 
the Passion Week begins. In six days, Jesus will hang like a criminal on a cross. He will be brutally tortured and beaten and shredded, but he will hang on the cross in six days. Now, back to verse 3. Mary took a pound of fragrant, of fragrant oil, pure and expensive nard, and she anointed the feet of Jesus. And then the scripture says she wiped his feet with her hair. The entire house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Now, as I'm pondering this, I'm like, what a radical, extravagant move of worship this was. But I started studying and pondering, why did she use her hair to wipe his feet? In that day, this was a statement of devotion. It was a statement of humility. And what Mary did shocked the disciples. They could not believe what they were seeing. But this story appears in three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and John. Matthew and Mark record this. They say that wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the world, what she has done will also be told in her memory. I mean, this move of, of worship and adoration and her devotion to Jesus, whatever, wherever the gospel is preached, what she's done is going to be shared. Mary knew something was about to happen to Jesus when he entered Jerusalem. Now, I'm not sure she knew the details, but she knew that trouble was coming. Nard, if you go back and even break this down, it was an oil extracted from the root of a plant grown in India. And a pound of nard was equivalent, listen to this, to nine months of a salary for a working man in Jesus' day. Wrap your mind around that. We're at a time right now where people are losing income, where people don't have the amount of hours they had, uh, they used to. But what she did, nine months of a working man's salary, is what this nard would have cost her. And what she did expressed radical worship for Jesus. She pours out, she pours out her very best offering before the Lord. And even John would record, the fragrance filled the house. And it was not just the fragrance of the oil, it was the fragrance of humility and devotion. And I can promise you one thing, what she did wasn't a waste. It was worship. She was worshiping Jesus. We must ask ourselves this question. What is Jesus worth to you? What value do you place on your relationship with the Lord? In John 11, Jesus declares, I am the resurrection and the life. Personalize it. He is my resurrection. He is my life. He gives me hope and healing and salvation and purpose and life and love. You've got to ask the question, what is Jesus worth to you? Here is a bold declaration statement that I would make. He who has infinite value deserves extravagant worship. Only the one who has infinite value, and our God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was void in form, and he spoke all life into existence. And Jesus says, I am the word. In the beginning, I existed with the Father. He who has infinite value deserves extravagant worship. Are you giving him extravagant worship today?
Do you worship him and value him above all? When you start to ponder John 12, it contrasts basically early on here two responses to Jesus. Mary places infinite value on Jesus. She expresses it again with radical worship and devotion. But then you look at Judas on the other hand. He values money. He even makes the statement, we could have sold all of this oil right here and got money from it that we could distribute to the poor. He was money hungry. Mary's love and affection motivates her to pour out her best. But across the room sits a man who is deceived and he's interested only in money. Judas has been with Jesus for three years. He's, he has seen miracles. He's heard amazing teaching, but his heart is calloused and money is his master and the generation in which we find ourselves living today so many people are consumed with money consumed with materialism they're consumed with just having more earthly Mary sits at the feet of Jesus she's worshiping she's sold out and with deep adoration she's allowing her affection for the Lord to be made known and I will tell you this a life spent in devotion to Jesus is never wasted. But a life spent on self is a total waste. It is a total waste. I'm pondering Mary. There's multiple Marys that appear throughout uh, the pages of Scripture. Jesus' mom, Mary. Mary Magdalene. But this Mary here is highlighted three times in the Gospel. In Luke 10, when you see her, She's sitting at the feet of Jesus, and she's sitting there to hear the word of the Lord. She's trying to redeem the time. Jesus is here. I just want to hear the word of, Lord, uh, the, word of the Lord. In John 11, she is desiring to see the works of the Lord. My brother is dead. Jesus, if you would have been here, I want to see the works of the Lord. But in John chapter 12, she declares her worship of the Lord. In John 12, she models extravagant worship. What a challenge for us that we would have a deep desire even today to hear the word of God. That we would have such a desperation to see the works of God displayed in our lives and those around us. But more than anything, what a great challenge that we would declare our worship for the Lord. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And God invites us to this intimacy with him. Hey, I want you to praise me and worship me. I'm a jealous God. And I would encourage you, make that your prayer today. Lord, I want to hear and know your word. Lord, I'm desperate to see you work in my life. I'm desperate to see you work in the life of my loved ones. But more than anything, Lord, I desire to worship you above all else. That would be an incredible prayer to pray. And let me say it again, that he who has infinite value deserves extravagant worship. Mary, as she sits there, she's not concerned with what the menu is tonight. She is not here to, fellow, uh, to fellowship and to hang out with others. She came to give her best. She came to pour out her best before the Lord. She is here to worship. And that is my prayer for you, that you 
would worship the King of kings and Lord of lords above everything else. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says this, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And we, as a people, we must crucify our love for money. We must kill it before it kills us. When you start to think about the value of Jesus versus the value of money, money lacks true value. Even in Scripture, we read that the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Money is a tool, but it can ruin your life if you start to treat it as the ultimate object of your affection. We must recognize that Jesus Christ is the most valuable treasure that there is. And when we do that, we will start to worship him the way he deserves. I have to ask, even myself, and I would encourage you to ask this question. What is your motivation in worshiping Jesus? Why do you do what you do in the name of the Lord? Do you serve him just for the satisfaction that you can get? The true motive for serving Jesus Christ is because he is worthy of our worship, and because you love him and you want to honor him as your Lord. What is the true motive, Tim? It's because he's worthy. I love him. I honor him. He's Lord. Now, it got me thinking about this whole thing of radical worship and just true love. And we use the word agape, but talking about authentic, just unconditional love. But it got me thinking. And, and, and I wrote down just a few uh, points here. True love cannot be explained. It can only be expressed. Words would not have been sufficient in Mary's mouth that night. True love is seen more than it's heard. True love is observed. Mary expresses her love and devotion to Jesus, not because of what he did, meaning raising Lazarus from the dead, she expresses her worship to the Lord because of who he is. And I can tell you, true love, you, you can't, you can't ex express it with words. Oftentimes, it's just the overflow of adoration. Here's a second thought. Our radical love for Jesus may freak out our friends and our family. The disciples were even stunned. And I can tell you this, when you fall in love with Jesus Christ, you will have family members and even friends that will call you a fanatic. They'll look at you going, man, you're the freak of the week. What happened to you? And I can promise you, when the gospel of Jesus becomes central in your life, and he is what you treasure above all, others will oftentimes look at you like you've lost your mind. Here's another reason. Uh, true love. True love for Jesus will lead me to take risk. When I fall in love with Jesus, I risk it all. I'm all in. I give my very best. I will love. I will give. I will serve no matter what God says. I'm all in. And I would encourage you to consider that even right now. Radical love for Jesus inspires action even if no one else joins in. I've observed this over the years. Love is an action word. Our love and affection and devotion to Christ will start to even uh, echo what Isaiah said. Here am I. Send me. 
Here am I, God. I'll go wherever you want me to go. Let me say this to you. And this would be the last uh, kind of point under this true love or authentic radical love. Do not criticize those who worship the Lord different than you. Don't criticize others. Allow others to express themselves. Not all emotion is for show. I'll never forget reading of when the Ark of the Covenant was being brought in and David started dancing before the Lord. He was celebrating the presence of God. And Michael, his wife, started to mock him and ridicule him. And the Lord shut her womb down and said, you'll never reproduce offspring. Don't make fun of how others truly worship the Lord. Now, when worshiping God, I believe we must be extravagant, but we've got to be authentic. I would tell you this, when it comes to authentic, true worship with the Lord, it must come from your heart. Jesus said, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And so when it comes to worshiping God, I would tell you, do it with all of your being. Do it with your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. It would be a second thing I would say. Give God your very best. Paul would even write in 1 Corinthians 10, do whatever you do for the glory of God, which means pour your energy and your effort into worshiping God. Take the time to get it right. Worship God above all. Yes, that is so important for us. Give God your best. And then I would tell you this, give him your praise. Let your praise be made known to the Lord. Psalm 63, verses 3 and 4 says, your unfailing love is better than life itself. I will praise you. I will praise you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands to you in prayer. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. He is worthy. Oftentimes think, why is it normal for people to wear their favorite jersey to a ball game and even go crazy when their team scores? But that same person will attend church, and they will see someone praising the Lord and lifting their hands during worship, and they will look at you like you are a fool. They will look at you like you've lost your mind. Let me encourage you, get freed up today. Give Jesus praise. Jesus is greater than the Bulldogs. Jesus is greater than the Braves. Get your object of affection right in your heart. Here would be another thing. Keep your promises to God. If you're going to authentically worship the Lord, keep your promises. Psalm 116 says, I will fulfill my vows to the Lord. When you prayed to receive Jesus Christ, you made a promise to God that you would turn away from your life of sin. You committed that, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus' commands. And Jesus even says, you're my friends if you do whatever I command you to do. I would encourage you, give God everything you have, but honor him with your praise and honor. Honor him with your vows. Here's another thing. Give God the first of everything. Throughout the Old Testament, you'll read 
and, and contemplate the principle of first fruits, the best stuff. And even the Israelites and others would always bring their first fruits. Proverbs teaches this. Malachi teaches this. And here's the principle for me. God is worthy of our best. He's worthy of the best of our time, the best of our efforts, and the best of our resources. Do not give God the leftovers. Give him the very best that you've got. The scripture tells us to honor God with our wealth. And here's something I know. It didn't make sense as a brand new believer. But oh my Lord, as I've walked with Jesus for these 35 years, I can tell you this. Giving is better than receiving. And the closer you walk with Jesus, you will discover the joy of giving. You will find more pleasure in giving a gift than you will in receiving a gift. I encourage you, give it all to the Lord. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. There's a lot of people that will give, but I'm like, ah, they, they, they give at times. But I, I, I can promise you this, a person who truly loves will give because love acts. And one of the demonstrations of love is that love gives. Generosity, faithful stewardship, it is an act of worship unto the Lord. It's a demonstration of your dependence and faith in the Lord. It's an obedient issue. It's a follow his command issue. But I'm telling you right now, when you are faithfully honoring God with your time, your talents, your resources, everything, it's a demonstration. Yes, Lord, I have faith in you and I'm depending on you. As we continue to rally our resources together, let me tell you, it is, it is an incredible opportunity right now for us to take care of each other and to take care of our community. I do believe that God is creating uh, an Acts 2 kind of mindset right now. Read Acts 2, read Acts 4, where they all came together. They brought their resources, what they had, and they lived in community, and they started to see revival take place amongst them, around the city, around their communities. Why? Because they were living a life of radical generosity. Stay faithful to the Lord. Stay faithful in tithing. Stay faithful in giving. Again, I believe that the truth right now is our need to give is greater than it has ever, ever been. Now, let me close you with this. Remember that he who has infinite value deserves extravagant worship. Don't cheat God. Give him your best. A life that is spent in devotion to Jesus is never wasted. But a life spent on self is a total waste. And I would encourage you, recognize that Jesus is the most valuable treasure that there is. There's nothing that compares to the greatness of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're watching today. Do you know Jesus personally? Have you come to that place in your life where you've repented of your sin and you've confessed Jesus Christ is being your master, your Lord, and your Savior? Do you really know him? And if you haven't, I would say do it today. Matter of fact, I would say do it now. I want to encourage you. Right now, you can confess. 
Right now, you can confess that you're a sinner, you're alienated and separated from God. You can repent, meaning you can turn from your life of sin, your life of self-dependence, and you can place your faith and confidence in Jesus Christ. I want to say a prayer with you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, this is you right now. You're like, I've never surrendered. I've never yielded my life to Christ. I've never asked Jesus to take over my life. Just tell him, Father, I, I repent of my sin right now. I turn from my self-dependence. I turn from trusting me. I turn even from being alienated and separated from you. I, 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 I turn from that right now. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior, my Lord, my Master, as the authority of my life. Come into my life. Make me the person you desire for me to be. Fill me right now with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I surrender to you. Take over my life in Jesus' name. If you prayed that, you can contact us here at the Cross Loganville. We would love to be able to send you some information, some next steps that will help you in your walk with Christ. We want to encourage you. It, it is the greatest decision you'll ever make. Now, to the redeemed of the Lord. Again, just kind of a, a recap of what we've just kind of studied here today. Let me encourage you, sit at the feet of Jesus. Make it a daily priority. Spend time in the Word. Spend time in prayer. Spend time sitting before the Lord. Spend time worshiping Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords. Make that a priority in your life. Sit at the feet of Jesus. Worship him above all else. Do not allow, allow anything else to compete for that uh, attention and affection and allegiance that you're to be given to Christ. And then I would say, give God your very best. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Thanks again for joining us. And I do pray in Jesus' name that you will make it a great week. I pray that you will continue to walk in the spirit of the living God. And I pray that you would recognize uh, like never before the opportunity that we have to be salt and light, to be a, a radiant light to extend the love of Jesus to our world. Make it a great day. Make it a great week. We'll see you in a few days. Hey, thank you so much for watching the message. Uh, we hope that you really pulled some things out of it. And just know that our desire is for every person, whether you ever step in this building or not, to become fully alive in Christ. Yeah, we want to see you committed to Christ. We would love to see you connected to others in a small group. And we believe it's important to uh, become a contributing member to the body of Christ through uh, sharing your faith, uh, as well as financially investing in the work of God. That's right. And so we pray that you're growing, that you're striving forward. There's so many resources on the website. You can watch past messages, your testimonies from people. And we pray that you utilize those. And we hope to see you on a Sunday morning. Hey, make it a great day and enjoy uh, the abundant life in Christ.